Cinebuds is supported by Associated Bank. Cinebuds, Cinebuds, two buddies talking about cinema. Hey! Hello! We're talking about a movie today. That is unusual. I am 889's Justin Barney. I'm Milwaukee Films' Christopher Pollard. And today we are talking about The Five Bloods. Black G.I., is it fair to serve more than the white Americans that sent you here? Nothing is more confused than to be ordered into a war to die without the faintest idea of what's going on. I dedicate this next record to the Soul Brothers of the 1st Infantry Divisions. Be safe. K-Pal, you want to give us a rundown of what The Five Bloods is about? Absolutely. Essentially, it's uh, four black Vietnam vets uh, go back to Vietnam in 2019, 2020, the current day. Uh, and they're looking for the remains of, of their uh, the leader of their squad who died in Vietnam. They've gone back to find his remains and bring him home. In addition to that, uh, they're also looking for a ton of gold bars that they they found when they were in Vietnam when they were essentially teenagers in twenties, and uh, they they hid when they were there with the intention of going back when it was safer and bringing it home. Yes, Spike Lee's Vietnam War movie. Yeah. Um, let me tell you about the knee-jerk thoughts that I had before I even saw this movie, <laughs> and then yeah. we'll talk about if those were right or wrong. Oh, great. So, so when I heard that Spike Lee was doing a Vietnam War movie, I was like, this makes sense. Spike yeah. Lee, um, uh, just one of the most celebrated black movie directors that there is, is like every movie that he makes is a social statement in itself and a statement about black culture, where it is, where it's from, what's going on. And I was like, Spike Lee has gotten to the point where he is embedded in white culture as, you know, even, you know, as much as he is embedded in black culture, he really has a white, uh, audience you know because he is just one of the biggest filmmakers that there is and so i was like okay so he's got this huge audience one of the biggest audience for any director and so he is going in into as far into white culture as you possibly can veteran culture you know he's going into vietnam war culture and so he's going into this and probably is going to show how this thing that is often you know that is kind of like as far right wing and white as you can possibly be how that is also black culture and uh, um that's what i thought going in before knowing anything about that what do you think is right about that what do you think is wrong about that well yeah i mean i think what I don't know if that was the what the thought pattern was, but I mean, I think he's acknowledging and what we saw like immediately when he starts the film is that they show that this is absolutely not white culture. Like from right. the beginning, uh, black men and women have been fighting all of the wars in yep. the United States. Yes. They've been embedded. I, I, uh, I don't know if they said it. I think they said it in the film, but like a third of the troops 
of the American troops in Vietnam were black men. They had this great device where they had uh, like a a radio station in Vietnam, and they ha- it was like um, propaganda. You know, they had a woman right. that was like speaking directly to these black troops in Vietnam and saying, "This is what's happening in your country. This is how you are marginalized. This is how you are being used by your right. white government who doesn't care about you, who wants you to fight these wars. These how this is how disproportionate uh, the like distribution of troops are." Uh, in terms of race, yeah, and so that that was a great device that they used, and it was a, based on a real uh, a real woman named Hanoi Hannah. Um, mm-hmm. So that was really interesting, and it also reminded me of the Warriors because it was like the voice in the Warriors that comes over the radio to tell them <laughs> what's going on around them. I just I don't I doubt that was an actual reference to the Warriors, but I did like it for sure. Did you like it? Did you? You know, what did you think? I had, uh, I did overall, I would say, yeah, I'm really excited. I saw this. I think there's some great stuff. I had some issues back and forth. They're mostly pretty minor. Um, I still am on board with the idea that um, everything Spike Lee makes is consistently of the time helpful to acknowledge and, uh, and stylistically always really fascinating and lovely and really cool um yeah there i did have i did have some like mixed feelings about some things in there but i think all relatively minor me too so we'll get to that and also i'd like to get to that like Spike Lee being timely and the timeliness of his movies and we'll talk a little bit about that in the podcast as well uh the five bloods it's on netflix now we're talking about it here. Watch it if you haven't watched it. We're going to talk about it on the podcast. You can find Cinnabuds anywhere you listen to podcasts. Just search Cinnabuds. Support for Cinnabuds comes from your membership and Associated Bank. Proud supporter of Milwaukee Film and offering support year-round through Milwaukee Film Checking. More about Associated Bank's commitment to the Milwaukee community at AssociatedBank.com. Member FDIC. Nonprofit Radio Milwaukee is brought to you by you. A membership contribution is your personal commitment to music and Milwaukee. Visit RadioMilwaukee.org to check out your donor benefits and the thank you gifts to show off your 88.9 pride. Okay, and we're back. Oh, boy. Welcome. Um... Okay, Paul, do you want to talk about hey, before we just like jump into negative sure. things here? Because, <laughs> like, I think me, like you, like our, um, you know, I think that our our critiques are kind of frivolous and, you know, yeah. They're, they're if there, there's anything but- about me that I want people to take away, is that it's frivolous. What? <laughs> <laughs> My no, entire right. existence. Yeah, it's it's silly and yeah, it's just as that chat. Is, that is K Polly in a nutshell, right? <laughs> that's there. right. That's right. Um, so you talked about it being more timely. Let's let's go on that because I've been watching um this. I'm so glad that this just came out at a time where you know it, it's one like what timing this movie had. Yeah, you know, and it, it like. You know, it was in production forever, and the it, it just like happens to be like the right movie at the right time by the right director. Um, and 
I have been watching before that earlier in the week, I watched Malcolm X and I watched do the right thing. So yeah. I've been watching Spike Lee movies. And one of the things that I like about all of those movies and everything that Spike Lee does is that they are all so in the time they are yeah. in a short span of time. And also like Spike Lee is prolific. He makes like a movie every two years. Yeah. So he, you know, he's not like precious about making movies. And so when he does, they are super timely and involve things that like have happened since his last film and comment about what's happening. And I think a lot of times we kind of think of that as being, sometimes you see that in a piece of art or something. And sometimes I'm like, why, why are you doing something that is going to mar it in time that is not going to make it you know, evergreen and everlasting. And for Spike Lee, I really like that because in watching the movies through, you know, in watching them now, you realize how much history repeats itself and you see how these things happen over and over again. And you get that history in that time that uh, a lot of times is forgotten. So I really, really love that he involves things that are right in the moment. Yeah. It's interesting because this movie is about wartime, and though we are still, uh, a lot of people forget, still uh, involved in war and and uh, stuff overseas. Um, it's not like it's not like this is about war. Like, oh, we've just gone to war. He makes a film about war. It's it's not that that one to one that on the nose. But I th- I think the I think what he benefits from in his timeliness is this very very sad part of that is that. We, uh, as a country, continue to make the same mistakes uh, in regards to race. So every film he makes, inevitably about race, is going to be timely because the mistakes just keep being repeated. Uh, We still have the same um, white supremacist culture that he draws on for for pretty much every film, pretty much. Um. And uh, so it, it's always going to be timely until we, as Mike Lee says, wake up. Um, so I think that's the only benefit <laughs> yeah. of an unfortunate time is that his films are going to be connected to them. But he has he has such a, a, a educated, uh, historically educated opinion and portrayal of everything that um, – in his movies. I think that is always really helpful. And especially in those last two in um, black Klansman and in this one, and he's done it before, but he always has that um, really hard to watch current day footage connected to footage from the past that just very clearly connects. Like we did this then and here's what we're doing now. And it's not a lot different. Yeah. Like, and I watched do the right thing a couple days ago and it's, uh, you know, about, um, like a police officer killing a black man during a protest, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's like, it is, it is wild. And one of the things that he does so well, like you were saying is, is like, he puts the photographs on the screen, you know? And each, every movie is a a history lesson. And you like, you learn so much in every single Spike Lee movie this movie included and Spike Lee is so stylish as a director and he, he does, you know, it's definitely like he has his stamp on things. Uh, what did you think in this movie? What did you think of some of the style decisions that he made? What did you like? What did you didn't like? what did you think about it? 
I love the I love all of his kind of standard. I want to say standard, but they're very unique to him. What would you say is like? Oh yeah, a breakdown Tra- of like a Spike Lee style guide. Monologue to the camera. Oh yep, monologue, monologue to, the camera. to camera is always very effective. Um, those kind of frozen. He does those kind of frozen tableaus of people where it's not a photograph. It's they're filming them, but just standing facing camera. A lot of stuff facing the viewer. It's like very yep. in your face, very directly yep. communicating to you. And I, he has those tracking shots, which are famous for him, where there's a lot of action or something going on. And the the character and the camera are on the same plane as they move. Yep. He does that a lot, which is a very signature Spike Lee move. So he has a lot of that. It's just I always love. You think you'd get tired of it? Like I I know you hate this, but I get tired of Wes Anderson's tricks yeah. that he does sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Spike Lee has had a much longer career. I don't get tired of his signatures. And I, I get that because it would be sometimes it's like you're the stakes are higher for Spike Lee because yeah. <laughs> you watch something like do the right thing um, or she's got to have it. And it's so mind blowing because these are all so new, you know, and he yeah. it is like every single thing is just groundbreaking. And then when you see something so different, like repeated, you know, it loses it loses that, you know, that that initial feeling that you had but for spike lee i still you know i i love seeing his stamp i i love seeing those those i know that when you're going in someone is going to look into the camera and say something poetic and beautiful and profound and i'm gonna love it every single time yeah delroy lindo was uh he's been like a mostly a character actor most of his life. Occasionally he's had some starring roles, but man, this was an impressive role for him. And there's already people calling for like Oscar stuff. Yeah. Uh, but he was the main kind of the main of the blood. five bloods. Yeah. I mean, yeah. blood and um, man, he just, he, st- he stood out really well. He's struggling. He's struggling through the entire film. Yeah. He's going a little, he's going a little off the deep end. Then he kind of pulls back and has these, uh, moments of clarity so he has like a great uh character wow. to really dig into and he does such a good job what were some of your nitpicky things well i mean uh, I, I, I guess it's kind of necessary but the whole um plot line of the gold is great uh because you have to you're sort of contrasting that with this more honorable uh journey of bringing back the remains of your fallen yeah brother but then you're also I, you have to you're getting just monetary uh, reward by going as well. But they right. do a great job with that, where they talk about what each person's going to do with their money. Should they give back to their community, or should like, no, I'm I'm going to take care of what I totally. need, to take care of you, do what you want. Yeah. The only part when it delves into, and it's weird because it's a movie about Vietnam, but when they get into the contemporary violence versus the historical violence, yeah. The contemporary one seemed to me a bit much almost. And I don't know why I'm not like gun shy about violence in film usually, but I guess I was more like you're going back to contemporary Vietnam and then enacting or portraying that same violence that happened back in the sixties. 
Yeah. I don't, it just, there's, I, I don't think I've fully formed my concern with it, <laughs> but it, it did feel, I mean, maybe that's supposed to be the thing and maybe it's very jarring and upsetting. And I don't know if it's culturally insensitive, uh, in that sense, probably not. It's just something that jarred me a lot. Right. But also some of it just, there was a few scenes that seemed rushed or not thought through as much. Like when they, um, come across the landmines. So Jonathan majors, who was excited to see our, our favorite from, um, last black man in San Francisco. Right. He plays Del Rolindo's son. Generally speaking, uh, in a bar, he meets this woman and they're flirting and it turns out they're there to, uh, d- um, what do you call it when you make it less active? <laughs> deactivate, deactivate. I feel like uh, I feel like the definition's right there in the word. Yeah, but they're there to deactivate landmines, and then you're like, okay, well, landmines are going to come up, and right. So then, for like a half hour after that, you're like, every time they're going through <laughs> on a every journey, you're like, step. it's like. When they slow so down, funny. they have a slow pan. I'm like, okay, here's where someone steps up. I'm like, uh, I know. here's the part where they step on a landmine. So some, you know someone's going to step on a landmine. Right. And then when there's a situation where they need someone. Yeah. Sure, a little bit. Uh, when they need somebody to uh, deactivate a landmine through the entire Vietnam jungle, here comes the people who could deactivate man landmines. Sure. It did remind me of uh, a movie called um, – Blown away. <laughs> what made it remind you of that? <laughs> With Tommy Lee Jones, which is about an IRA bomber. And like the whole movie, anytime goes to, someone goes to turn on the stove, they just do a close-up of him turning the knob. And you're like, don't oh, touch it, don't so touch it. <laughs> right, right, right. do it so much that it's comical. Um, right, but thing. that, there's just some plot devices, I think, that were just a little bit obvious. They went to the part of the jungle where they're, looking for the gold and when jonathan majors goes to uh to take a poop he coincidentally digs a hole right where there's a bar of gold there's just a few of those things that seemed a little bit like okay that's pretty convenient but again it kind of adds to the the more schlocky part of the movie like the movie's not schlocky but there's like an aspect of the uh searching for gold plot line yeah yeah that becomes a little bit like that but it's hard. I guess the biggest problem I had, I guess, just to sum up between is just going back and forth between that kind of vibe and then the very serious notion of the repercussions of the Vietnam War on black soldiers and this honorable uh, search for their fallen comrade. So it was just kind of hard for me. And it may just be me to go back and forth between those two things. I, I'm kind of with you on that where it's like, Defy Bloods is not, I, I'm not going to get a poster of this movie for my house, you yeah. know, where as I would with do the right thing or she's got to have it. Um, and I think that part of that is, is like, I have never done super well with like war movies or with movies with like, kind of like fantastical plot lines where you're finding gold in the middle of a jungle and there are people with, you know, landmines and it kind of like relies yeah. on these, this like fantastical sequence of events that of course naturally happens. And Spike Lee is kind of like best when he is like, do the right thing talking about a pizzeria on the corner and its place on in that neighborhood, which is like, does not and all the events in that are more dramatic yeah. than finding gold in the middle of a jungle, but it's about a pizza 
place on the corner, you know? Yeah. And he does, I was reading a bit about it and I, somebody pointed out, he is really good at putting two things in one movie, like a comedy, which do the right thing is a comedy. You know, you don't really think of it that way, but, and this incredible, uh, social commentary, dark, tragic film. And so this is that same thing where he does, he puts this adventure in alongside of this kind of historical context. And uh, he's usually really good at that. And he may be good at this, but my reaction to it was a little bit like, I kind of like didn't roll my eyes exactly, but just like, okay, it was hard to go back and forth for me again. This did not put a damper on my enjoyment of the movie that much though. Yeah. There was a lot of good things about the film that more than made up for it. I really like that he kept the actors the same age. I was when they... just going to say it, but I thought I'd been talking too long. <laughs> it, it was like one of my favorite like technical aspects of this movie is like time jumps are always incredibly difficult to do. I mean, like I, the Irishman tried to go halfway with this where they had – um, cause a time jump, when you like have different actors being young or you like put makeup on somebody to like make them look young, it just like always looks bad. The Irishman did it in the worst way possible, which was we'll have them be young and we'll just CGI their faces. Right. And, um, Defy Bloods was like, we're not even going to pretend we're just going to yeah. have these same actors. They look exactly the same. They are the exact people, but you know that this is the Vietnam war because you know, of what's going on. And I thought that that was, I thought it did a great job of like honoring the audience's intelligence in that and, and not being confusing at all and saying everything that needed to be said. The great, it's so funny because that, uh, that notion to do that serves so many purposes for me. Yeah. Not only is it like, okay, they're just going to play themselves, uh, in the when they're much younger, but they're going to look like they do today. And set against Chadwick Boseman, who's the only one of them that died then. So you see this young man interacting totally. with all these much older men, but they're all contemporaries. And it kind of drives home the fact it's we actually. I would say that the thing that's weird is he's the wise one. Like he's the one. He's their leader. Yeah. He's the yeah. one telling them what they should do. He's the one calming them down. But it's this young man talking to all these older, older men, it, physically yeah. older men. But at the time, obviously the same age. Then it also drives kind of drives home the idea that these four men are going back to take care of this younger man. Like it really mm-hmm. looks like, oh, look at these men coming back to help this younger man who lost his life. It did so many things that, te- and also probably really cheap. Like <laughs> it's like a but maybe it was a budgetary concern, and they're like, well, we'll just do this. It'll add to the stylistic, but it mm-hmm. added so much to to the meaning of what they were doing. I thought that totally. was one of the coolest things they did. Totally. Yeah. Um. Um, yeah. I feel like I wanted to say there was something else. Oh, there's a part in the movie that um, we really liked when the – the was she German or French? The French girl? Yeah. She's talking to Jonathan Majors and he says he's named after one of the Temptations. And she's maybe a little drunk. But she says – she just looks at him and says, Motown. <laughs> she says it in such a weird way that – uh, my girlfriend had to had to go back and watch it like three times and 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 record it. Just her going Motown. 
just a fun, just a fun glimpse. <laughs> For every movie that we watch, we should do like K. Polly's favorite joke of the movie. <laughs> I, that's the thing. I don't even know if it was supposed to be a joke. It was just a really weird way to say that. Um, I, I think that'd be yeah. a fun second going forward. We'll come let's, back to that for every let's movie. Let's circle back. Yeah. Right. Uh, so Five Bloods, I think we're kind of in agreement where we we liked it. It's it's the it's the perfect movie for the perfect time. Always like seeing what Spike Lee is doing. He's always doing something different. He's uh, he's yeah. always willing to take a chance and and do something weird. Also, it's like it's just Always good to see a Spike Lee movie. Not the greatest Spike Lee movie in the cinematic universe of Spike Lee, but a good one to watch. Yeah, I would say I would say it's still very much a, a good watch for right now. And go back and watch Black Klansman and watch Do the Right Thing. I think totally. Th- his whole canon, but those uh, movies are really great to rewatch right now. You know what I did after watching this? Yeah. No. I was <laughs> Yeah. Yes, I do know. <laughs> I was like, why am I not following Spike Lee on every single social media channel there is? Oh, and yeah. Then, and then I like looked him up on Instagram and uh, um, he had like merch from his movies. And I was like, oh, my God, this is oh, this yeah. is just like the danger zone. Someone you love has a store of their work. And yeah. so then I was like going through Spike Lee's merch store, which is incredibly dangerous. And then I saw that he wrote a book. We're in the official red alert and the book, he wrote a book about basketball. I was like, really? my, my God, my oh, two wow. things that I love in life, basketball <laughs> and movies together and books together True, in right, one right. and i have i have never bought something faster in my entire <laughs> life yeah. it's arriving today and oh. i will start it tomorrow you'll be sitting on your porch for the rest of the day waiting for it to for come sure. yeah so that's I'm really funny that. well i mean one bit of merch he does not have is the milwaukee film member shirt of his image from do the right thing wow and Look, one of the guess who has it guess who has it you do me baby i will say one of the best moments in my art life is the fact that dante mcfadden bless his heart met met spike lee and took a picture while he was while dante was wearing the spike lee shirt oh my lord that is awesome that felt pretty good to see that happen yeah the interesting thing is that uh, i did find out that apparently the script or the story was originally intended for Oliver Stone, duh, because Vietnam and Oliver Stone. And then once that kind of fell through, uh, which I don't know how long ago that fell through, it was it was picked up by Spike Lee and vastly reworked. So I I'm saw sh- that too, and I was going to mention it like three times when we were talking, but it never seemed right that yeah. this was originally a movie meant for Oliver Stone, written for about like five white guys. And Spike Lee was like, we can do that. Yeah, yeah. And it's really, really great to see that how that's like changed into Spike Lee's script. But I mean, if you're looking for films about Vietnam, I mean, he's probably the one to start with. Yeah. Okay. Then, Uh, oh, I also saw, I saw a funny tweet that was like, 
Uh, Spike Lee should win an Oscar for not using the song Fortunate Son by CCR in a movie about Vietnam. <laughs> However, there was a couple of songs, and I can't remember off the top of my head. There's a couple of songs in there. I'm like, well, obviously you're using this because it's a song, because it's a movie about Vietnam. Yeah, but agreed, agreed. Our favorite segment of every week. What else have you been watching? Uh, so what have I been watching? I've had a lot of luck. I've seen some good uh, films this week. I watched Shirley, which is about Shirley Jackson. It's Elizabeth Moss playing Shirley Jackson in this sort of like fan, okay. fic- fan fiction story about Shirley Jackson. Not necessarily true as far as I can tell. Yeah. Um but Shirley uh, is really, really good film, really stylish and dark and interesting. And I've read a couple things by Shirley Jackson, but watching that movie makes me want to read like everything she's ever written. Cool. That's on Sofa Cinema right now, but I think you can find it. Yeah, I think you can find it on Sofa Cinema still. But I watched that. I watched The Hunt, which. Is that a scary movie? That sounds not, like. Not really. Sounds like it's, a. The classic like horror movie is just like the thing. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. It's the uh, it's like it's the most dangerous game. You know, there's always the different versions of the film most dangerous game right, right, where right. people yeah. hunt other people. But this yeah. one has a really it's very funny actually, and it um I thought it was going to be bad, but I kind of wanted to see it anyway, and it turned out it wasn't as bad as I thought. Uh, <laughs> it's got a, a very much a liberal versus conservative feel, and you think it's going to be conservatives hunting liberals, but it was the opposite based oh, on funny. this like conspiracy theory that is out there about the liberal elites. So you think it's going to be essentially them like making f- just making fun of conservatives, uh, but they end up making fun of liberals and conservatives in it, but it is a movie about hunting other people surprisingly funny funny. and uh you know some good action scenes that's funny you see anything good i i've just i've been on the tip man we did the five bloods and i watched do the right thing and malcolm x oh yeah that's right i watched selma last night oh good that's perfect selma was like horrifyingly um contemporary contemporary yeah yeah i mean it really was oh and then i watched uh i watched ali Oh, seen I've, never seen, I've never seen Ali. Don't see it. Really? It's like uh, Ali takes one of the most – I cannot believe that they took such an interesting subject as Muhammad Ali and his involvement in um, black nationalism and yeah. – uh, and like that time in his life and fighting and fighting against the government and taking a subject – they took a subject so interesting and they took yeah. an actor, Will Smith, one of my favorites, an actor so talented, and they made something so boring. Really? It was, it was excruciatingly long. It was confused. It was slow. It, I was just like – I went in being like, wow, this is a movie I should have watched 15 years ago when it came out. And I can't believe I haven't watched it since. And I watched it and I was just like, oh, I did not enjoy it. Oh, that's unfortunate. But I, a little lighter tone. I did watch. I finally watched The Disaster Artist. I had never seen The Disaster Artist. Wow. Where the film about the making of the room 
but yes, um, it was pretty good. I, see I am. Theater. Okay. I saw the room. I didn't want to see. Uh, there's all this stuff about the room, and I like, heard about it for years. And you go and you do all the things. The room, uh, <laughs> the room. We know the room. I really had not much interest, and then Tommy was okay, and uh, right. we went to it, and it, we had to wait an hour for him to come out to start the movie, and I was just like pissed. And I didn't understand what all the prompts were during the film. And we were just like, why are they throwing spoons? What's going on? Right, right, right. And yet afterwards, I was like, like maybe a day afterwards, I was like, I am actually really glad I saw that. That was absolutely bonkers. And I get why sure. people enjoy it. But yeah, the film, the the disaster artist was actually pretty good. Yeah. I, I recommend. Almost, I, I tried to schedule an interview with Tommy when y'all were doing that. Oh, yeah. Didn't work out. Yeah, I imagine that would have been a cha- challenging feat. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I didn't have high hopes, but, you know, I tried. <laughs> well, great. All right. The Five Bloods, Cinnabuds, the Five Cinnabuds. Yeah, there's five of us. Including our cats. Yeah. You know? Well, that's uh, probably true. Right? Yeah. Do you have two cats now? Two cats and one dog, and now three fish. Okay, you have two cats. I have one. Um, our, me and you, and plus our cats are the five. That the sounds five good. That sounds That's accurate. us. So can we do our own remake movie? It sounds, like the, most, remake it sounds like the most disrespectful remake ever. <laughs> <laughs> ever planned. <laughs> Sorry, just canceled. Like, <laughs> well, Cinnabuds has done. been nice to do, and <laughs> thanks for listening, and we're going to move to a different city now. <laughs> All right. Cinemods is edited by DJ Kenny Perez. Ah. Our, we get handcrafted sonic inspiration from the License Lab. Well, isn't that impressive? Ooh, our theme song is from Brett Newski, a.k.a. That's right. Um, we also get support from Associated Bank. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. And from our members at Milwaukee Film and our members at 88.9, please stay members. We need you. Yeah. This is a lovely time we're all in. <laughs> and we need your support. And we desperately need your support. More, more than ever. Um, and like, share, subscribe. Yes, please do. And that's it. Oh! I think so. No, I think that's it. Oh, no. I think that else? there's one more person. That we have to thank. No, you know, we would not have this show if it were not for the one and only Christopher Pollard. Thank you, Christopher. We had a sound effect there. Oh, yeah, I got my bell. That's really exciting. We should do that every time. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) totally unexpected. I don't have a speech planned, but thank you. Well, thank you. All right. We'll see you next week. All right. Bye.